Hey everyone, this is Isaac Maddox, and I'm the pastor of Activate Church, and this is our podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to our podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, builds your faith, and I hope you enjoy the message. night. It was incredible. Young people, junior high, high school, young adults come out. We're flowing along with every other Wednesday right now, but it is awesome. So it's coming up, not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday. And uh, let's go to the Word of God this morning. Amen. What a day. What a day. Wow. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. And uh, you, uh, you can just... So much to say, so much to say. Just uh, time is short, and uh, um, I will, I will, amen, thank you. Um, Just receive, just receive. This church is trying to, believe it or not, (laughs) model ultimately not how to be cool, not how to be relevant, not how to uh, be whatever. Uh, The book of Acts, the book of Acts, trying to find a community of place, be a place where we can just come together as um, average, normal sinners, centered around grace, centered around Jesus. And a lot of things that we've heard or we've, we've, we've come up with our own, you know, sort of ideas and plans. And ultimately, Jesus is everything, is, is everything. And everything else is just very secondary, very way down the Totem pole. Is that still a phrase? Can I use totem pole? Is that politically okay? All right. Um, And so anyways, um, everything is Jesus. And so let Jesus, just even from right now to the end of service, is this whole thing is about Jesus. That is not elementary teachings. That is as deep and meaty. If you want a meaty theological statement, get ready. Here it is. Jesus loves you. That is as big old stake of theology as it gets. God who made us who lived forever, who made time. You know time is one of his creations? Made time, then he stepped out of heaven into time, hung on a Roman cross for you and me. That's radical. That's crazy. We'll spend our lives wrapping our minds around that. And uh, anyways, to Jesus, to the word, Galatians chapter 4. And I'll try to get through this as quick as I can. And uh, uh, verse 8. I'm reading out of the New King James, Galatians 4, verse 8. It says, but then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. So you serve things that didn't have power. Verse 9, but now after you have known God, or rather are known by God. Did you know that Paul is not a poet? Okay? Paul is not a poet. He is not David. And so when you read the Psalms, David is a creative person. You know, he's a warrior. He's a, he's a man of war. David was a creative. He built instruments. He was a worshiper. He was uh, incredible in the art of metaphor and idea and creativity. Paul is not. Paul is a stuffy theologian. He is an, he's, an, he's an analytic. He's a, he's a brainiac. And so when we look at Paul, we go, oh, Paul, uh, known God or no God. <laughs> That's so, I liked what you did there. Tomato, to, uh, tomato, tomato. And Paul's like, no, th- there's actually two ends of the spectrum. This is not Paul being poetic. This is Paul the theologian, dotting his I's, crossing his T's. This is actually doctrine. 
This is creed. This is theology. This is not, oh, Paul, I like the way you said that. That's so cool. Like, you imagine Paul in prison. To know God, um, let's say to have God know us. I like that. Rolls off the tongue a little more Christian-y and more Jesus-y. No, Paul's making a point, and we have to look at that point. How is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements? I love the word beggarly because it really describes what the law was or really any principle is, is it comes and it tells you about the needs you have. That's it. It's a beggar. The law was a beggar. Hey, we need some saving here. That's what the law did. The law screamed the need for a savior. And any principle or point or law does the same thing. Hey, you need to pray. So the, that's just a principle that goes out towards Jared. Jared, you should pray. Principle goes into Jared and goes, help. I need prayer. I need help with my prayer. The law or a principle, sorry about that, uh, doesn't, doesn't give you the power to pray. Well, should we not say pray? That's not what we're talking about. But there is an argument here that we have to answer. Why is Paul so fired up? If you read Paul, he gets fired up from, every, every, from time to time. Jesus got fired up. Jesus. Love on two feet. Just imagine Scandinavian Jesus, blonde hair, blue eyes, robe, beard. Walking around in the Middle East, okay? And kids are walking up to him. I mean, he's love, gentle, compassionate. And yet he made a whip and he turned over tables. He wasn't just having a bad day. Jesus, Paul. Paul almost got in a fist fight with Peter. Peter who walked on water, who started the church, Peter. Paul came face to face. Why was Paul so? Well, they loved everything and everyone except religion. The beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage. Verse 10, you observe days. You observe days and months and seasons and years. Not even necessarily talking about ceremonial law. Just talking about good old traditions and observations and things that we do to know God and to become holy and to be Christians. Good things. And Paul is sitting here and he's using intense verbiage like, who has hexed you, Galatians? Who has kidnapped you? You foolish Galatians, you idiots. Paul, so mean, calming down a little bit. Everyone's trying to calm Paul down a little bit. And there's one thing that Paul will not calm down about. And it's this idea of laws, principles, Creeds, ideas that man puts in place to know God. And Paul's trying to say, <laughs> Paul's sarcastic all the time. I love it. He mocks religion. And he says, oh, you thought you were knowing God? <laughs> God knows you. God knows you. What does that mean? Well, we're going to talk about it. But I want to read one more time out of the message. I just want to read this portion of Scripture really quick. Uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. Now, you're not going to get anything out of my preaching if you're looking for an incredible 10-point sermon to help you go home and serve God in your own strength. That's not, this is not what this I'm about or this church is about. I'm here to give you faith to access everything in Jesus and to help serve Jesus. So we preach faith because the Bible says the righteous live by knowledge. Faith. Okay, so the righteous live by faith to access grace to access grace. And so if you want to encounter Jesus this morning, then I'm the right guy for you. This is the right church for you. You're sitting around some people that are the right for you because we're all here to simply encounter grace and mercy and love and Jesus, and we need faith to do it because that is the only door to access that. Galatians chapter 4, 
Let me show you the implications of this. As long as the heir is a minor, he has no advantage over the slave. That's deep. Though legally he owns the entire inheritance, he is subject to tutors and administrators. So principles, laws, and do's and don'ts are tutors. They're fine for a while. But he is subject to tutors and administrators until whatever the date the father has set for emancipation. So the son, though he's younger and emancipation hasn't happened, he is the same as a slave. He's the same as a slave. He's the same as a slave. Jesus is our emancipation. To the point of Jesus, then you have access to the inheritance. But if you don't access it by faith or sonship, then you are the same as a slave. Paul is just radical. Don't hate me. Hate Paul. Paul is intense. That is the way it is with us when we were minors. We were just like slaves, ordered around by simple instructions. Do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. And tutors and administrators of this world with no say in the conduct of our own lives. But when the time arrived that was set by God the Father, God sent his son, born among us of a woman, born under the conditions of the law, so that he might redeem those of us who have been kidnapped by the law. You've been kidnapped. Thus, we have been set free to experience our rightful heritage. You can tell for sure that you now fully adopted his own children. Oh, skip something. Sure that you are now fully adopted as his own children because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives crying out, Papa, Father. And I've, some of you, if you've never experienced this, I believe the spirit of God is going to come inside of your heart. If you receive it, he's going to stir and you're going to... You're going you're gonna to find yourself for the first time wanting to say Jesus, wanting to say Father, wanting to praise God. He's here to help you. It's awesome. Doesn't that privilege of intimate conversation with God? I mean, we get to talk with God. God, God, God. Make it plain that you are not a slave but a child. And if you are a child, you're an heir with complete access to the inheritance. Quit acting like a slave and serving a principal, and now let yourself as a son through relationship know your Father in heaven through Christ and access all that He has for you. Earlier, before you knew God personally, you were enslaved to so called gods that had nothing of the divine about them. But now that you know the real God, those are breaks. Or rather, since God knows you, how can you possibly subject yourself again to those paper tigers? Things that look powerful, but have no power. Yeah, but my two hours of prayer, fine, fine, paper tiger. How? It's changed my life. Did it? Does 120 minutes on the clock actually have that much power? (gasps) Who knew? Does your prayer list have power? (gasps) Sell it. Put some holy water on it. It'll go around the world and change people. Really? Or are we putting power in all these things that we're taking credit for knowing God when really God has known us and God said we need to get back to sonship and, and receiving and letting him do it. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you're here, and that's the only reason we're here. (laughs) is that you're here and that has caused us to be here. We can take no credit. And God, even though there are things that need to take place, there are things in the natural, Lord, you made it all, and we thank you that it is all because of you. And Lord, this morning, we as sons and daughters, by faith, God, teach us, teach us, teach us this morning to know us, God. Know us, know us this morning. Know us this morning. Step into our worlds and do whatever you want to do. God, we love you so much. 
And we pray that Kevin Durant would come to the Blazers. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Jesus said, ask everything. So I do. Amen. Just working on being the son. Working on being the son. Um, anyways, I, I, I love love. Anybody a fan of love? It's the right church to be in. It's the right church. I mean, Jesus really is, you know, so loved the world. Really, the whole gospel is a love story. Um, I love love. I'm a big fan of love. I tell Carrie all the time. You know, a lot of people are picky. They're like, hey, these are my love languages. I try to make it easy on her and just say, babe, I, I love all five. Just any five will do it anytime. I'm, gonna make, I'm, not, I'm just going to make it easy. I might have two or three that might be prominent. But any five... At any time, you want to spend some time with me? I'm down. I'm cool. You want to write me a card? I'm good. You want to give me some words? I'm good. You want to partake in physical affection? I'm down with that. I will not say no. Ever. I'm, I'm ready always to receive love. I've never thought about receiving love as a difficulty. I always thought the difficulty, and I guess it is, obviously, in loving. And, you know, laying down your life for one another, like Jesus did, the cross. And so loving people is really the difficulty, not receiving love, because I'm always down to receive love. But then I was thinking about certain conversations that I have with people, and they come and encourage you, and they say something. Hey, Isaac, that was a great word. Thank you. I'm like, thanks, awesome. Hey, man, really liked that one point. Thank you. That changed my life. And I'm thinking, I didn't even say that. That wasn't even one of my points. God probably told that to you. So, like, thanks a lot, man. But maybe listen to my message next time and encourage me based upon what I really said and what I really did and what I really put work and effort into, but you didn't even compliment me on that. And, and they encourage me, but maybe I don't even receive it because I'm looking for a certain thing. So I started thinking about, yeah, I like to receive love when I'm looking and expecting it, pack, it to be packaged a certain way based upon what I need and what I want, what I'm looking for. And I was thinking about me and my wife, and I was thinking how many times she actually encourages me and loves me, but I'm rejecting it the whole time. No, no, babe. No, no, no. No, whoosh, 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 you know, just smacking them like fly. No, no. And then maybe at the end she says something that I need and expect, and I go, I'll take a hold of that. Is it possible that maybe 80% of a conversation can be missed because you're not expecting it or looking for it? So just at the end, when she says the right thing, the thing that I need, the thing I'm looking for, then I go, I will latch on to that. So she loves me. I didn't hear most of it. So now I'm expecting on top of that for her to say what I need when it already happened. Do we do that with God? Is it possible that we do that with God? That he is speaking? But we're looking for this over here. And God is just dishing up, you know, just, just, just lots and lots of something over here. But we're, how many times have we got into church? The drums are too loud. The preacher had some shirt on. We didn't even understand it. And holes in his jeans. Or the pastor was this. Or this was that. And we just stood there the whole time critiquing and going, I can't believe this church is a mess. And God's just right in the middle of it speaking to you, but not in the way that you're looking for so you don't receive it. Maybe we're not as good as receiving as we thought. Because if it's not packaged for what I need, what I'm looking for, uh, you didn't love me. So I'm working on receiving. So anytime Carrie says something, I'm just like, trying to soak that up. And I'm not, I'm not kidding you. I thought she was just being nice. A lot of times you just think people are just like having pity on you. Even if they are, drink that up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we're that good at receiving. Hey, nice shirt. Oh, this whole thing. Stop. No, stop. Stop. Don't say stop. Say thank you. Whew. I take that in. I receive that. 
I think we have a problem with receiving. You should practice this. Go up to someone today and really just lay into encouragement. Because everyone's ready for about a four-second encouragement. Hey, you look so good, man. So good to see you at church. Okay, bye. (laughs) But once it passes that six, seven, eight-second mark, Hey, Mark, good to see you, man. God, your glasses look good. You look like you lost some weight. And, uh, man, the company I heard you. And about eight seconds, it's like, abort! Two men talking to each other. Thank you, see you later. Right? But just make them squirm. And, and just make stuff up if you're not like, huh. And, just, and you just see two dudes like, huh, just like start to just go crazy. We're not good at receiving. You look good. Hair looks good. Smile looks good. Hey, thanks for coming to church. Hey, thank you for serving. Wow, what's going on? Oh, my gosh, you know what? That's incredible. You have such a personality to handle that. You, have, you know, this church is about to go to a level of love that probably none of us have ever experienced. But, but, a lot of it's just going to go whoop if we don't get good at receiving. So we have got to position ourselves, and this is the gospel. This is the gospel in a nutshell. Not Love Jesus. It's Jesus loves you. That's the gospel. So what's the new covenant? Is a position of receiving. If the gospel is Jesus loves you, yeah, thanks, man. Heard that. Awesome. Great. No. Stand there and receive it. That's the position of a New Testament believer. Stand there. Stand on the word of God. Having done all, stand. Stand on the pro- Stand there and let God be God and let him know you and let him give you what he wants to give you. Stand there. But it's like Jude and Trent when I tell them to stand somewhere. They just like, ah, ah, we can't. Stand there. Or your mind really is the feet. Stand there and receive. Right now, I get, God, my whole job is to reveal the realness and the awesomeness of God. And once you believe it, let God do it. Stop doing it. Stop. I'm just trying to get holy, though. Isn't God all about holiness? That's what I heard. You heard wrong. He's holy. You're not. So if you want him, let him come into you. The only way you can make that happen is by faith. You're like, well, hold on, tomato, tomato. No, tomato, cheeseburger, it's not even close. But it's okay. I want everyone to feel comfortable right now. Paul and Peter almost got in a fist fight over this. So it's cool. If you're a little confused, that's awesome. You should be. It's not my preaching. Some of it sometimes is. We'll go into the word. Sometimes we have an expectation of, well, I should just fully grasp that. Really? If Paul and Peter almost threw dukes over this, you don't think that two of the baddest, raddest Christians, there's no one greater than Paul and Peter besides Jesus and some of the Old Testament prophets. These are some of the baddest, raddest, and they went face-to-face in a room full of people? I mean, you don't think one of them was back door, Paul, come on. And Paul's like, no, this is happening right here, right now, Peter. I don't care if you walked on water. So, of course, something's going on in your head. Hold on. Wait. Ah. I thought I'm supposed to be awesome and pray and go to church. And what are you saying? What's the difference between knowing God and God knowing me? There is a vast difference. Again, Paul is not using poetic 
phrases. These are theological statements that are radically different. And the reason that Paul is so serious about this is because this is doctrine. This is life-changing doctrine. Saying the difference between you knowing God is you'll take everything that you do, prayer, church, tithing, inviting people to church, holiness, lack of sin, all of that, to know God. And and, and Paul is saying that's not how it is done. The emphasis is on you. You need to put it back on God. It's God who does the knowing. It's God who does the saving. It's God who does the healing. It's God who brings the breakthrough. It's God that speaks. It's God that saves. It's God. It's God. And there we are going, (laughs) yeah, we checked that box back to reality, okay, back to normality, back to Monday morning, simmer down. We got it. Of course, saved by grace all day long. I'm just trying to do that. And Paul is like, no, you're not. No, you're not. You have a paper tiger called prayer. And all it has is the ability to beg and receive God. That's all it has. You have put in all your faith and all your power into a 60-minute clock that you think has power to bring or manipulate the presence of God. Yet Paul is ticked. He's saying your prayer life is simply a means of receiving. You could pray five minutes or five days. There are oftentimes five minutes is more powerful because it's more centered around the grace of Jesus Christ and the dependency and a heart open to say, God, I need some of the best prayers of Jesus. Ah! Some of the worst are five days of, oh, hallelujah. My bank account's full. My car's good. My marriage is good. I just want to say thank you, Lord, and you're welcome. I make it easy on you. I'm a good Christian. Go off into the third world where they really need you. And here's Paul like, what? No, no, this isn't just, this is not a small thing. This is the one thing that Paul got fired up on. This is the one thing Jesus whipped people for. (laughs) Love made a whip. What did love whip? Business. Management, political, bureaucratic systems that were sold to us in order to get to God. And Paul is saying we got to come back to sonship because you have already been given, you've already been given the entire inheritance. And so what I want you to do is get good at receiving it. You've received it. You've received it. Now, I use metaphor a lot because Jesus used metaphor and and David used metaphor. And it's not because I was a youth pastor or I think you should become, you know, Sunday school uh, students. It's because Jesus uses metaphor to, to help us with something that we understand to connect us to something we don't understand. See, we are far too legalistic and prideful. We thought we understood the cross. We think we understand grace. We think we understand the love of God. We think we understand forgiveness. We're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's move on to some meatier subjects of things. And, and Paul's like, no, 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 no. We got to use some metaphor here because you don't understand the vastness and the awesomeness of the cross. You do not understand when he died for you, you were a sinner. You could do not, you do not, you trust me, you don't. Come back to grace. You've fallen from grace. You've fallen from allowing him to do it. And now I want to teach 
teach you again what it means to let Jesus do it. And that is not a semantical statement. It's not a spiritual statement. What, what we, again, we think Paul's a poet. Grace is sufficient. Amen, brother. Oh, I cannot wait till Christ is formed in you. Amen, brother. I can't wait for you to live as Christ, to breathe as Christ. Oh, so poetic. If he was David, I'd buy it. He's Paul. So he is standing on this theological thing that says, no, anything that you do is simply a means to receive. Simply a means to receive. Metaphor. I just somehow in my head, again, forgive me for the, but this is my, this is my mind and let you in for a second. I just see a fridge. Now we all shop at different places. So let's just pretend it's, it's, it's Whole Foods, New Seasons, Trader Joe's, Walmart. I know sometimes Walmart because non-perishable items are super cheap there and cereal is a really good deal there. So anyways, but all together in one fridge, we've got everything, right? So we've got all this food in a fridge and, and Paul is just saying, we just need to get people to the fridge, okay? Jesus said, go into all the world and tell them about this fridge. Tell them about this water and this food and these grapes and these all oh, these things that I bled for and died for. I just want to give them to people. I don't want them to think they can buy it. I don't want them to think they can earn it. I just want them to, to come and take it. And the only way they can come and take it is if they believe it exists. Because of guilt and condemnation and sin, they're going to feel they're not ready for it. They don't deserve it. And it's too good to be true. So what I want you to focus on is the fridge of the gospel. And I want you to go into all the world and, and tell them that it's... It exists so that in their free choice, they can latch a hold of faith and go after it. But what we do is we take a sip of the fridge of the living water and we step back and we take credit for it. And now we start to preach and teach our incredible taking techniques. You know what I do is I uh, hang a left around the island bar and I step over the dog and I grab a hold of the one arm of the fridge with my right arm, securing my left arm so it swings open and not hit it. Then I grab the other side of it. And then what I do with the bottle, the cold bottle of water, it's got a little condensation on it. So you got to really get a hold of it, really get a hold of it. And brush your teeth before there because you want to appreciate the beauty of the water until you're clean. And, and, and then you, you take the water, then you get thankful. You just really need to be thankful. And what happens is we create this religion called Christianity all around my and your incredible taking techniques. When Paul is saying, you know what you're doing, actually? You know what you're doing, actually? You're making it worse. Whoa! Paul, be careful. Because I'm trying to help people. Because prayer is good. And, and, and fasting is good, and church attendance is good. But Paul's saying, no one ever asked you to do that. They, we just, J- Jesus just said, tell them about it. Tell them about it. But I'm trying to help them get to the fridge. Actually, you know what you're doing? You're not helping, you're hindering, because your commandments, your do's and don'ts are becoming barriers. They're becoming barriers between people and God. Well, how long should I pray? Half an hour will do. An hour if you really, you know, you really want to go for it. Hour and a half if you just fall out flat out in love with Jesus. So all of a sudden, an hour and a half of prayer becomes if you really love him. You know, if you really are passionate about the gospel and and people going to heaven and hell, you're going to invite someone every week. And so all of a sudden, commandments and do's and don'ts. All of a sudden, we got barriers. And instead of making it easier for them to get to the fridge, we've made it more difficult with, are you clean? Do you really mean it? Are you sorry enough? Did you brush your teeth? Did you change your clothes? Are you ready to receive what's in the fridge? And all of a sudden, now they've got ten barriers between them and God. And, and they're stuck. Well, Paul said, stop. 
You've got barriers between you and God. You think it's too good to be true. Paul said the only barrier between you and God is a belief system. The only true barrier is doubt. Think about it. Doubt is the only barrier between you and God. And so all of a sudden, instead of doubt, doubt's natural. So they've got doubt. Now you put dues. And so now they got dues and doubt between them and God. And you just really messed this whole thing up, Christian. Good job. Well, ho, Paul, why are you talking to me like so harsh? It's like, you should know better. You should know better. What caused you to go to the fridge? I needed it. I needed it. I was thirsty. I was lost. I was sick. I was broken. I had no other option. Exactly. But the moment you tell them to do something, they're just like you. But now they need to do prayer and, and, and do change and get clean and figure things out so they're, they're ready for the water. But it's the water that makes them clean. It's the bread that feeds them. It's the forgiveness that causes anything to happen. Remove the barriers. You got to remove the barriers. You got to remove the barriers so they can get to God. Quit putting power in things that you've done. Quit putting power in principles and paper tigers because they're just going to cause a barrier between them and God. you got to remove it and get back to the gospel. Get back to the, to the forgiveness and the grace. It's my goodness that causes them to repent. It's my love that cast out the fear. It's my grace that is sufficient. They need to know it's a, it exists so they can access it. You're putting barriers in the place. Get those, remove the barriers. As good as you think it is, got to remove the barrier. Remove the barrier. Remove the barrier. Remove the barrier. Their only barrier is doubt. Doubt is the barrier. You think Paul was fired up about what the church of Galatia was doing? Why do preachers and churches talk so much about doing? Paul never really did. He discussed sin. He discussed lifestyles. From time to time to make sure we're saying, hey, just so you know, the fruit of all of this is not some crazy you know, life of debauchery. No, that's the, that's the fruit of the flesh. But don't think for a second what he spent most of his time with. Don't think for a second that you could produce that or get that or gain that. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's the fruit of grace. And it's nothing that you can do. I don't care if you pray 24 hours a day. I'd feel pretty awesome if I prayed like eight hours every day. Could you imagine? We should do a test. How awesome would we feel? I'm so proud of ourselves. I mean, see, I would think that God should heal me after that. God should hook me up financially after that. Here we are with the greatest battle of the flesh and gaining things and earning things. And Jesus said, I want you to come back to sonship. I want you to come back to being a daughter, knowing that you don't serve a slave or a tutor, an administrator, a principal. I'm telling you, there are days that you might only pray five minutes because you're a mom of a new baby, but you need to know that five minutes is enough to access my grace that is sufficient. Don't think you can buy it or earn it, but there will be some days because love is now guiding our relationship. I'll call you into my presence for five hours and speak and show you things. And when you come out of my presence and people say, what happened? What did you do? You'll say, it's not me, it's him. He did it. He did something. He, he, he did it. What happened? 
I love Jesus when he, he came to the man in Mark 9, 23. And this man had a son who had demons. And he said, all things are possible. All things, all things, all do's, all do's are possible. All not do's are possible. Things, things, things. We all want things. He never condemned them. He said, all things. They're possible according to what you believe. Believe is first. Believe is first. Paul wasn't mad at this church for not reading their one-year Bible plan, for being late to church. He, he was, they, Paul was not discussing their do's and don'ts. He was discussing their belief system. You've, you've let lies and flesh and duty creep into to your Christianity. Paul's not discussing what they do or don't do. Paul is discussing what they believe. He said, we, we ha- everything you do comes out of what you believe. We've got to talk about what you believe. You've fallen from grace. You have fallen from a lifestyle of saying, Jesus, I need your word. I need you to know me. I can't do anything to know you. I can't use all my little things and my ways and my religion to get to you. All I can do is open up my life and let you know me. Let you come into my heart. And if I can use prayer to receive and church to receive and the Bible to receive. That's all I can do is open up my heart and receive grace and receive mercy and receive love. God, know me. Paul's like, you got to get back to how this thing started. God knew you. God called you. God saved you. God healed you. God brought a breakthrough to you. God is your counselor. God is your peace. God is your joy. Get back to receiving, 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 receiving. Get back to receiving. You're a son. You're a daughter. Access what's in the fridge by faith. When you get so convinced that it exists, that it's real, that it's too good to be true, that he just wants to give it to you, you open up your heart and say, God, give. I'll take it. Lord, I'll take it. I'll take it. But we've got too many barriers between us and God. i got to stop sinning. I got to get right. I got to get my thoughts. I got to get that figured out. I got to get that figured out. And Jesus said, no, come to me. All you who are thirsty, all of you who are brokenhearted, I want you to go into all the world and build people's faith in the gospel, build people's faith in the cross, build people's faith in a God who left heaven and died on a cross for them. You don't deserve it. You never will. Don't think you can ever get better to somehow get it, gain it, or earn it. It's a gift from before time began. I put this into motion. Would you quit trying to earn it and just start believing and start receiving what I want to give you? You don't have a do problem. You have a doubt problem. And Paul is constantly hitting the belief system. What's he talking about? Slaves and sons. What's that? A belief system. A belief system. He's not saying if you get to church early, get to two services, I'm telling you, your life's going to get changed. Church of Galatia getting all silly with your time, getting selfish with your time. No, he's saying something's off with your belief system. Something is off with your belief system. And we got to come back. we got to come back. So here's his dad, his other son. He's like, I believe. I'm going all in with belief. I believe. I believe. It's a great statement. It's I believe. I believe. Okay, it's, it's by faith. Jesus, I need my belief system. I need my belief system. I need my belief system. This, this, this morning to, to start to, I, I, I'm all in when it comes to faith. That, that my, my sole responsibility is to become a believer, is to become a receiver and let God do it. I'm going to let God do it. I'm going to let God, I'm going to stop trying to do God's job. I'm going to do mine with that is standing here and receiving. Some of you right now, 
now are doing good, but you're carrying someone else's sickness, someone else's trials, and God is saying, stand there and receive as an intercessor what I want to do through your life to other people's lives, but I need you to stand there and receive the goodness of God. You don't need to carry that. Let me carry that, and let me fill you with my word. Let me fill you with my grace. Let me fill you with my provision. Let me be God. Would you let me be God? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And he said, I believe, but help me with my doubt. My only barrier is doubt then, Jesus. If you've already done everything, then my only barrier between you and me is doubt. Would you let your word come and heal my doubts? Because I got more doubts than I probably even know when it comes to sin and forgiveness and issue. I need the word of God to begin to heal me. And I'm telling you right now, there's a season right now of us going to the word of God. But we're not going to read the word. We're going to hear the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm telling you, for some of you, this is, this is your season right now. There's too many lies. There's too many opinions. You have to go back and let the word of God start to speak to you. It might be Esther. It might be Job. It might be David. But this is not a book to be read. It's a book to hear. This is a book to let God start to know you. Let God start to put his thoughts and his answers. I'm telling you right now, I don't care how long you've served him. This is the fresh and living word of God. This is what will start to eliminate the doubts when it comes between you and God. Let the word of God, let the word of God, let the word of God let the word of God. Some of you have never even heard Jesus loves you. You've listened to it, but you haven't heard it. You haven't heard it. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Jesus loves you. You might have heard that 40, 50 times. Yeah, I know. I got it. No, you don't. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. If I had an hour, I'd keep going. Hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. Would you open up your heart this season and allow the word of God to start to eliminate the doubt, causing you to have a faith in God that you've never had to walk with him as a son and a daughter to access your inheritance? And so when people say, what's going on with you? It's not going to be something you do. You say, he's doing something in my life. He's taking over. He's speaking. He's healing. He's bringing me into places I never could imagine. He's doing it. How'd you do it? I started to believe. I started accessing. How did you do that? The word of God started to eliminate doubts. I knew I was forgiven, but I didn't know. I didn't know. I knew God was good, but I didn't. Have you seen this one verse? No. You got to return back to the word of God. There's nothing that will eliminate the word, that will eliminate the doubt and cause of faith in your heart like the word of God. I'm telling you, this isn't about a paper tiger. I'm not telling you to get a one-year reading Bible and just read a couple of verses. I'm talking about getting in the Bible and starting to let it read you, starting to let it speak to you day, afternoon, and evening, because I'm telling you, God is going to start to know you. These words are going to step out of the pages and into your life and start to read and direct and cause you to believe what's in that fridge, and you're going to start to go after it and receive it like you never have because of the word.